when we talk about leadership, we don't talk about leadership as a hundred percent control of everything and a hundred percent responsibility for everything. It's knowing where that line is and where you need to be able to look at the team and say, this part's up to you. Welcome to the Inspiro podcast, a podcast exploring personal growth, leadership, strategy, communication, and fulfillment. We are your hosts, Jason Luchtefeld and Bill Woodburn. I'm here as a dentist transitioning into a career to help facilitate individuals and their organizations towards a more fulfilling future. Hi there, I'm Bill Woodburn and I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in Austin, Texas. I'm fascinated by the way people come together to solve problems, whether that's couples or families, dental practices or organizations. We're gonna be exploring a lot of topics and for us to be able to be free to do that, I have to let you know that this is not intended to be dental advice or counseling advice. Thanks, Bill. Let's get into our next episode. Episode one. Well, I'm really excited to be here and uh, for our first episode to be exploring why we're here and who we hope to be talking to. Yeah, I think I'm going to guess that our first few listeners are going to be dentists. And I think that that makes a whole lot of sense given uh, who, who we are and what we've been doing the last few years. I'm excited though, to see us branch out and get exposure, not only into dental teams, but also into healthcare. And I think that some of these concepts of uh, personal growth, leadership, team communication are really pervasive amongst the healthcare industry and beyond, but really trying to focus in on that healthcare industry and bringing these things to them to help, to be helpful. You know, a lot of times uh, those of us out in the trenches working on helping people need someone helping us. Mm -hmm. Need to keep inspired and also uh, learn new things, be able to explore new things. Yeah, and many of us practiced or practice in a silo and hearing the voices of people that have been through it, people that have given advice to people that have been through it uh, can be really helpful. And I know there's endless podcasts out there now. I don't know what the last count was, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's 9 million different podcasts to choose from. And this is now 9 million and one. And I think though, it fills an interesting niche. Uh, Bill, I was just researching the other day about trying to find a dental podcast, for example, that focuses on behavior, uh, behavior change, communication, that kind of stuff. And I don't think there is one. Uh, the, the topic has been covered a little bit within some other podcasts, maybe for an episode or two, where they might have a professional on that, that does an hour. But to really have the podcast focus on that in its entirety, I don't think exists. 
So I think we're filling a nice niche within dentistry. And then I think brought more broadly in healthcare. And this is something I'm excited by because, you know, I'm out there doing emotional intelligence workshops or leadership workshops, strategic planning. And often I find in the workshops, people ask these very rich and very genuine questions that I really don't have time in the workshop to answer. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful question, but I have to pull myself away from leadership or whatever to answer. And I'm hoping that we have between us uh, time and space to, to start to explore some of those things, uh, some, answer some of those questions that people have been asking, um, but that we've never been able to get around to. Yeah, so that leads right into the next thing. How are we going to be doing this? And I think that might be the question people are asking themselves if they're listening is what can they expect from us? One of the things I thought that you did terrifically is to, to send out a questionnaire and get and gather topics. I mean, I'm hoping that we're answering some questions and talking on some topics that people have already told us they're, they're interested in. Between us, we have endless hours of things to, to explore if you're listening to this podcast, let me suggest that you, you know, let us know what you want to hear uh, so we can get more efficient, so we can spot out in what we know, things that are of interest to you. We want to know. Yeah, so before I get into some of those topics that have been cultivated between us and through the survey that we did a few months ago, let me tell you, we have a dedicated podcast email for you to send emails to if you'd like to reach out with suggestions for topics, with criticisms, with compliments. You can send those twice if you'd like. Uh, it's inspiropodcast at gmail.com. Easy. Inspiropodcast at gmail.com. And I'll be checking that regularly. And then Bill and I will chat about it and then bring it to you in a future episode. So some of those topics we're going to cover, Bill, we have a, a wide variety here uh, under the practice management heading, which is something that initially you might not think is really our wheelhouse. However, practice management involves something really important. You know, when I'm going all over the country and talking with dentists, so many of the young dentists are shocked and frankly dismayed that uh, after all of the technical training in dentistry and they join a practice and they find how much of their, of their day is spent in managing people, managing patients, managing team, bringing all that together, because if it's not brought together, you don't get a chance to do the dentistry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the thing that practice management really requires at its base is that communication aspect mm -hmm. and, and all that goes into that. And so we will be diving into that in a number of ways. Uh, that dovetails with uh, overall team management which is essentially leadership. And so under that topic, we've got a whole lot of subtopics from goal setting to team empowerment, 
something you mentioned that you do workshops on emotional intelligence. And one of the things that I hope that we'll be getting to, because I see it really being confused out there in the field is how much is it the, the dentist leader's responsibility to get things done and how much of it is the team's responsibility and where is that line? In other words, when we talk about leadership, we don't talk about leadership as a hundred percent control of everything and a hundred percent responsibility for everything. It's knowing where that line is and where you need to be able to look at the team and say, this part's up to you. You know, I was doing some research the other day about leadership, the history of leadership. And it's only in the last 10 years that the term leadership has been on its own. Previously, it was leadership and management, which brings that into it. So the you really can never separate those two things, although we have over the last 10 years or so. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to touch on is how we, how we define terms, which we'll be getting into a whole lot with some of these topics we're covering. And uh, so let's, more topics. Um, One of the things I'm very yeah. excited and I'm hoping that you'll bring to the table because I love it when you talked about it, um, is that sense of, to do our best clinically or in leadership, uh, we have to be taking care of ourselves. That having that sense of, of you know, both loyalty and skill at, at bringing out the best in ourselves is important before we even get a chance to, to lead or to be a, a leader in dentistry. Yeah, I think that's something I will bring to the conversation and for me, it falls under, under an umbrella that I think you and I will have fun discussing, and that is of positive psychology. And so for me, the, uh, the idea of vitality or self-care from a physical and emotional and uh, overall well-being standpoint fits in there. And so for me, it's uh, probably in my... Uh, top three important things that I think people should be doing every day. And we will certainly get more into that and how sometimes that can also go astray. One of the things that uh, I, I foresee us doing is, is being able to explore widely uh, to even deal into some differences of opinion that we have. And yet I want to make sure that by the end of the podcast, we've actually framed out a few techniques or a few things for people to actually do in real time in their practices or in their lives uh, to experiment with so that we're all experimenting with some things. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I think one of the things I am most excited about is when we disagree. And it's always fun to learn from you and at the same time, try to push some buttons to see if I can get you excited. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where we might be able to find those little spots of uh, interest and excitement. Well, I think one of them, and we wanted to touch on this, this, this uh, episode, it's, it's two of your pet peeves, things that we will not be saying 
through these episodes. And I think it's important to lay that groundwork. Everybody heard the disclaimer at the beginning. So this is not uh, meant to be professional advice. Um, if you need help, please go seek it locally. However, uh, with that said, we will be taking a professional stance around uh, at least one topic. And that is, that is the idea of crazy. Tell, tell yeah. me about crazy, Bill. Thank you, Jason. Uh, it's my professional annoyance that um, the term crazy, remember, doesn't have any professional counseling or psychological traction at all. Uh, it's a social term. And it's usually a social term that's about dividing us from somebody else. And the thing that bothers me also professionally is when I'm out in the field, I'm consulting, and someone says, well, they're, they're only, this patient only does that because they're crazy. On, from, on a practical matter, that tells us absolutely nothing that we can do anything with. Uh, now, I appreciate the fact that dentists are not diagnosing mental health issues. On the other hand, none of us can be apart from other people's emotional and intellectual reactions to the world around them. If we find that those don't fit with either what we're doing or how our practice is organized, I think that's what we need to focus on, that it's a fit problem. And using the word crazy moves it out into an area where we no longer have any handles on it. So I'm going to be shying away from the idea that there are these people that are crazy and somehow that's the problem and we should just put them in a box and set them over there. Uh, no, people act all sorts of ways. And particularly people who come into a dental practice, particularly people uh, with a lot of dental phobia, uh, are going to be reacting from parts of their brains, and we'll discuss that too, uh, in patterns that they've learned other places. And that's gonna have a fit problem sometimes. But I wanna label it a fit problem, not a crazy problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, this brings two ideas really into play. One is how important it is that we are intentional with our word choice. And I think maybe the word crazy slips out sometimes. Um, unintentionally. And if we were to oh, really... It does for me too. I will, yeah. I will probably make that yeah. mistake myself. So... So that's one thing that uh, if we are intentional with our words and choose them to try to convey the meaning that we really want to convey, we can probably find a better term or a set of terms to describe the situation than crazy. And let me you know, challenge people that are listening, as I challenge myself, um, that if something's not working in a relationship, in a discussion, uh, if you are needing to tell someone in your practice about a treatment or a team member about something that needs to be done, and it's just not working, one of the first places to go is your own language. Mm. Are you being specific enough? Are you using rich enough terms and important enough terms so that someone understands what you're saying? When I give uh, emotional intelligence workshops, one of the classic things that I hear in these scenarios, um, particularly with a lot of team members who say, well, it's kind of like this and it's kind of like that. 
And I usually stop them and say, you're a dental professional. You know, nothing's kind of here. This is not kind of a recommendation. This is a recommendation from a dental professional. And the words need to reflect that. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you'll have patients coming back, not doing what you asked them to do as a hygienist or whatever. And you wonder, why not? Well, they thought that it was very optional because you said kind of, as opposed to going ahead, pulling yourself up as a dental professional and making a recommendation, solid and clear. I think we'll be diving into that a lot. The concept of communication, clarity, word choice, uh, those are all gonna be things that come up. And some of those things will come up, I think in multiple episodes that we're gonna be covering over the course of the year. So that leads me to the logistics of how we plan on doing this. So we're going to record a significant amount of time together. That will then be edited into more digestible chunks or what you may know as episodes that will be released on a weekly basis. So when we cover our first topic, so our first topic is going to be validating while avoiding right-wrong thinking. And so we will record anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half on that topic, possibly, and look at how the conversation segues into different subtopics under that heading. And then we will release episodes anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes long that will be all related under that umbrella topic. Most likely what I'll do then is once those, say, three to four episodes are released, we'll probably also have an option for the full download if you really want to get it all in one blow. Um, but that will come after. Um, it's a bit opposite of what you see out there now where people will release a three-hour episode and then you'll start seeing subclips come up of sections of their uh, big episode. So we're doing it in reverse. We're going to give you digestible chunks, kind of lead you along like a, a TV show with a cliffhanger at the end of every episode. And then at the very end, if you want to binge listen the whole thing, that will be available too. So that's kind of our idea at this point. We're going to try that for the first couple months, see how it goes. And again, feedback from you, the audience is going to be what helps to determine what we do with that going forward. If you like it, if you love it, if you hate it, we want to know. So the other thing we wanted to do in this first episode with you is allow you to get to know us a bit more. So we'll spend a few minutes telling you about who we are and what we're bringing to the podcast. Bill, do you want to lead off? You want sure. me to? You know, I often say that uh, I came up through the chair in dentistry. Uh, it was never my idea to be uh, a dental consultant or to specialize in team dynamics in a dental office. Uh, in fact, uh, I have a remarkable amount of dental phobia. It's very difficult for me to, rash, to rationally deal with the idea of dental procedures. Come a long way with that. 
but it also gives me a really clear idea of what the patient is going through, particularly some of the patients that appear difficult, that appear uh, to not be following the rules. Many years ago now, uh, my wife finally persuaded me to go in and get my teeth cleaned. I had avoided the dentist successfully for about 10 years. I walked in and uh, got my exam and ended up uh, in the consult room across from the dentist who was outlining treatment to rebuild all four quadrants of my mouth. Now, if you have dental phobia, this is a lot like going up, you know, against the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, it was like, well, my goodness, you know, you have all these things. We will torture you for several weeks and then you'll pay us a great deal of money. It's like, what's going on? This was like my worst nightmare. But I started that journey. And I think there's some important pieces and I'll unpack a bunch of them later. But I learned a lot about how trust is engendered in a dental situation because I was very scared. I was angry. I was disappointed. I was ashamed. I was feeling all those feelings very intensely. So why did I start that treatment? Why did I continue that treatment? Why did I pay thousands of dollars for that treatment? I think that's a, those are really good questions that I have some insight into because I have gone down that path. How was it that the dentist and the team got me to trust them. You see, one of the things that uh, always shocks dentists is I have very little idea what that dentist did in my mouth. I can't see it. Uh, most of it is hidden in the back. Uh, I don't know the techniques. I don't know the terminology. I can barely read the treatment plan. What I bought for all those tens of thousands of dollars was his promise that he would fix my mouth in such a way that I would have both dental health and better general health. I bought his promise uh, for a great deal of money. That's, that's a pretty major promise. And yet it happens routinely in dental offices all over the country every day where a, a dentist, their team, their practice promises a patient something that the patient cannot really evaluate very well and has to go on trust. Now, if that's 500 bucks, no problem. But when it starts to be 10,000, 20,000, $30,000, you're asking for a lot of trust. And so one of the things that is gonna be a theme all through this podcast is what do we do with that trust? How do we build it? How do we live up to it? Uh, how do we restore it if it's been lost? The other piece that I realized as a patient going through that is while my dentist did a fantastic job, both clinically and personally, it wasn't my dentist that got me through it. When I was there in the operatory and when I was very irrationally scared, I could feel my heartbeat going up, my breathing going up, my brain racing around, being very difficult to think and think through any sorts of problems. It was the chair side 
that stayed with me in the operatory and at one point held my hand and told me, it's going to be okay. You're making a good decision. That's where I learned in a very visceral level that however fine the dentist is, it's the team that manages the patient's feelings, their sense of security, their sense of continuity, and that it's dentist and team that is approaching you if you're the patient. It's not one or the other. And in many ways, it's not that one is more important than the other when it comes to patient impact. So that's what I learned. And I became both uh, aware, but also I came through the whole experience realizing that dentistry is worth something. I'm glad I spent the money. I know not all your patients can probably say that because they can't all reach that. But I went through something where I really had the feeling of taking care of myself in an important way. And working in a as a team with the dental team and the dentist for something that was that has made my life better even as I leave the dental office and go out into the world. So that's where I'm coming from. Being able to understand patients, being a professional that got to uh, run a personal experiment in his own personal laboratory. What does it feel like to trust, to distrust, to be frightened, to be confused? How did people resolve those problems or not? What can be done to make that experience a better experience for the patient so they come through really understanding and believing that dentistry is important. So let me also give the professional background. I started out uh, studying, um, going to grad school to research human development. I was going to be a researcher. I was going to be a professor. But I found that when I got to the, the actual research with actual human beings sitting in the room, that I really just couldn't sit there, that I really wanted to do something active to help them. Luckily, there was a marriage and family program. I, I transitioned there because that gave me the skills and the position to be able to help people and not just study what went wrong. So I'm a very hands-on guy when it comes to, if I see things falling apart, whether it's in a family, a couple, or a dental practice, I'm very eager to pitch in, get involved, and figure it out. At one point in my career, I met Bob Fraser, who came to me with a problem. He said, I'm doing strategic planning with this very large organization, and I'm having real trouble because they just can't communicate enough to actually answer the important essential questions in uh, strategic planning. Well, I was like, I'm a family therapist. What do I know about large corporate organizations? But Bob was a friend. I went along anyway and discovered that whether it's in an organization or a family, the, the personal dynamics, the human dynamics are basically the same. 
Only people in corporation are getting paid better than most of the teenagers and the families I see. So I learned that there was a place for me outside the therapy office and in a place, again, where human beings are trying to get together to, to solve problems and to do something significant. After that, I began to travel through dental offices, dental organizations, uh, dental education, uh, but it was always working on the what needs to be changed in the pattern of social dynamics here. So these people can actually do some of the things they dream about and be able to have the kind of group that they can count on when they head off in a direction. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's given me a chance to go back and forth across the country and see dental practices, large and small, everywhere and realizes the difference, but also many of the commonalities, um, many of the things where people are really trying for a lot of the same things and facing a lot of the same problems. So it has been a wonderful 20 years doing that. And uh, I'm hoping to bring some of that into this podcast. Well, I, I feel lucky to have you on the podcast, Bill. And I'm grateful that you've agreed to do it and are sharing in the facilitation of it. Well, I am Jason Luchtefeld, and I started out, I'm going to go way back. I started out thinking I was going to be an accountant because I liked math and that just made sense. So uh, I had a, a a task during my first semester of college that was to go interview three people in your chosen profession and do a report about the profession and those people. And so I did that. All three of them said, don't be an accountant. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have I chosen? What am I going to do? Well, my mom was a dental hygienist and said, you know what? You should be an orthodontist. They have it easy. And they make a lot of money. I said, wow, that sounds great. So I went and spent a day with my orthodontist and I was bored out of my mind. And so I, I kept looking and thought, well, orthodontist, um, I guess you're, you have to be a dentist first. So maybe a dentist is more interesting. And I spent half a day with a dentist and was drawn to the variety. And so that is what kind of triggered setting my sights on a career in dentistry was I think the creative aspect. So being able to have that variety of what a day looks like uh, pulled me in and it got me excited and did that uh, ended up going after dental school to a residency at a VA hospital, which was a fantastic experience. Got me fully immersed in all things dentistry from the get go uh, the big advantage there was maybe it was not an advantage. It was an advantage clinically in that my treatment plan presentations didn't matter. They, they could do whatever I said because we were treating veterans that had 100% coverage. And so we said, you need a full mouth rehab? They did a full mouth rehab. We said, you need a root canal and a crown? They did a root canal and a crown. There was no need to connect at all. It was just, 
here's what you get because you're here and it's covered. And that didn't work so well when I opened my practice up in the mountains of Colorado and would say, hi, Mrs. Smith, you need $15,000 worth of treatment because you have all this wrong. And she would say, what are you talking about? Nothing hurts. And so I had to learn pretty quick that all the CE I was taking, all these things I had learned only mattered if I could connect with the patient so that they understood, so that they felt comfortable and cared for, so that they could be a partner with me in part of the, as part of the treatment team. And so that from a pretty early time in my career, I would tell patients that they are an important part of the team that will be taking care of them. That includes me, it includes the assistant, the hygienist, the person at the front, um, this whole crew. And so that uh, unknowingly, that ended up being something that was really helpful in allowing me to have a successful career in dentistry through multiple offices, multiple states, and uh, a wide variety of of clinical procedures that I could perform. And so that fast forwards me to around 2015 when I was at an organization called the AES, American Collaboration Society. We meet every year in February in Chicago. And I was tasked with being the co-chair of the Strategic Planning Committee. And it just so happened that Bob Frazier was the also a member of the organization, and he was the facilitator for that strategic planning process. And so I could not attend Retreat 1, and Bob said, this is never going to work. You have to be at Retreat 1 if you're going to be the co-chair. And I said, well, give me a chance. Um, I, I think I'll do okay. And... So I studied, I read his notebooks, I read the minutes, and I think stepped up and did a pretty good job because Bob ended up being very congratulatory. And the combination of the recognition, along with how much I enjoyed that creative process, led me to continue to learn about strategic planning, the importance of it, the value of it to to living a life on your own terms rather than just the whims of the world around you and led to then working with Bob as well as Ryan and Don and in strategic planning. It was around 2017, I think, that I attended a emotional intelligence workshop that Bill was co-facilitating and where I got to first meet Bill. And I was a uh, still a sarcastic, I'm going to use the word young, although maybe I, you could also say I was middle-aged at that point. Uh, but um, I, Bill cornered me and said, uh, what, what was it you said? What are you afraid of? And I said, what, what do you mean? Well, you, you're kind of just deflecting everything. Everything is a joke. Everything is uh, sarcastic. And 
I, my intention was not to have it that way. And it really startled me and kind of woke me up that, okay, well, I need to maybe take this serious and maybe there's something here I need to learn and explore. And there was, and I did. So I went from joking about only having one emotion to now talking about the importance of exploring your emotions, having emotional agility, and even created a spot in our newsletter that focuses on emotion every month. So thank you, Bill, for that awakening. And also, I think that we need to both, sounds like we both need to thank Bob for uh, kind of setting us on this, this path that has put us together now for hopefully the betterment of others. If I can comment on your story. Please do. It's one that I have heard from a lot of dentists <laughs> in a lot of places and a lot of different age groups <laughs> of dentists that started out wanting to be uh, engineers or accountants or, and discovered or were drawn by needing much more creativity, needing much more adventure and variety. And the lucky ones ended up, you know, forming a practice, uh, often a general practice or a specialty practice that, uh, that allows them to exercise that creativity and how they set things up, everything from, you know, how they treat patients to the design of the waiting room. Um, and it's been so consistent. I think that is a major piece of, of certainly the, some of the really best dentists I've seen is that need for creativity, that need for adventure, that not being quite settled in a, in a job or a position where everything is decided and order is absolute. Yeah, that almost goes a little against the grain, against the stereotype of the dentist being this OCD style individual that needs to control everything from the chair into the mouth and i think we there has been a major shift in dentistry over the years from that paternalistic do as i say kind of mentality to one of now uh, co-diagnosis is a word we hear a lot through uh, multiple different uh, continuing education centers there's the concept of motivational interviewing that has found its way into dentistry. We can, we will talk in the future about the pros and cons of that. But I think that we, dentists are, well, the other thing we'll be covering, um, the incidence of depression and then suicide within dentistry and how that compares to the general population and how it compares to other professionals in the world and what that might mean, what you can do about it, that kind of thing. And um, I think that, so a, a piece of that, that again is a, a topic for our podcast is what that relationship looks like in the office when Every single day of practice, somebody said, no offense, but I hate you. Uh -huh. 
And so as much as we want to let that just go, uh, it, it's like a, what is it? The nail in the fence. Um, you can put a bunch of nails in the fence. You can remove those nails, but there's still a hole there kind of thing. Um, I think we feel that over time. And some of us take that a lot heavier than others. And so I think part of what we'll be talking about is some tools and things we can do for ourselves to try to help ourselves through that. Yes. Yes. And that's a healing journey that a lot of professionals, um, medical, dental, even counseling professionals are on that they don't know they're on. How do I deal with pain and sorrow and loss and anger and fear every day and am affected by it? But then what? Go home and eat dinner and pet the dog. Uh, you know, just because we're not firefighters and police officers that see that raw and extreme doesn't mean, as you say, that day by day, conversation by conversation, there isn't something that can be a bit damaging. Mm -hmm. With that, something I hear or see is uh, a dismissal of those feelings. I think is also kind of pervasive where, oh, what are you, you rich dentist whining about somebody doesn't like you? Like first world problems, uh, suck it up. Um, and where, do we, where do we go with that? Uh, how, how do you have a conversation with somebody that is, is going that direction with things, Bill? <laughs> My first instinct is, Maybe that's not the person you need to turn to for help. Right. Uh, but I think it's, a, it's an important piece because it, it really happens. Um, the other piece of that, however, is that lack of validation of the fact that there is a human problem going on. Um, we are at a transition point. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the 50s and 60s where particularly with um, medical, uh, the medical crew uh, was pounded into them to be totally objective, absolutely magnificently unruffled objective at all times. And it tended to eat them up as people. Um, we've loosened up on that, but now we're in that strange sort of frontier area where there are calls to be objective and unfeeling and protect yourself that way and calls to be more feeling and more empathetic and work a practice that way. So we've gone from a, a kind of a disastrous, but least unconfusing time to a much more confusing time for healthcare professionals of all kinds of how much can we use empathy in our daily lives and how much will we be hurt by that? Mm -hmm. One of the things I will say that I've seen, though, is particularly with dentists who started out with the, I think I'm just going to stay shut off. Then they might take a EI workshop or something, and then they go, okay, while well, I'm trying to not be so shut off, um, at least with my team and with most of my patients, but it's chaos. I, I can't stand it. 
And then when things are working well, there is that lovely, wonderful moment that I meet them at a workshop a couple of years later and they say, something wonderful's happened. I've, I've actually learned that I can relate to people and I don't have to hold myself back as much. And what I've discovered is I'm getting things back from people and that my team is able to support me and my patients are able to support me and people are seeing me as more as a human being. I used to, you know, be the monolithic objective guy, but that also trans, uh, translates into, you can't hurt me, so you can throw the biggest punch you want. As opposed to, I'm a human being with a fellow human being, and we're just trying to solve this problem. We're just like, wait a minute, I can't take all the punches you want to throw. I'm a human being like you. Mm -hmm. And we're working together on this. And many dentists across the country have, have realized, oh, this is so much easier to be a human being with human beings trying to achieve something than some sort of concrete statue that doesn't feel, but also you can't hurt them. So you can do anything you want to. I think we have a future episode that we may title sticks and stones. Oh, let's do that. Let yeah. us, let's do that. Yeah. The listeners out there have gotten to know us now. They've gotten to hear some of the things that we're going to talk about and maybe even a little sample there of, of uh, going just a little bit deeper into an area. And there's going to be a whole lot more of that in our episodes to come. So that leads me to giving a little bit about what our first official episode is going to be. And that is validating while avoiding right, wrong thinking. Join us for that. We'll discuss it, explore it, and give you some actual things to experiment with. We'll see you then.